0: Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name is Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings and slither in place because this is, is Snakebird. Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to another episode of the Snakebird Podcast. Thanks for joining us as we attempt to walk through this world with a healthy balance of wisdom and gentleness like Jesus instructed us to do in Matthew 10, 16. Using them as guideposts and lights along the way, we take time to examine different characters from the Bible to see what we can learn from their stories, their ups, their downs, their good and bad decisions, and to see how we can apply those things to our lives in a special show format that we call Snakebird Profiles. Stephen, who are
1: we profiling today? That's right, Snakebirds. We're delving into another profile, but this time it's a buy one, get one free because you can't just look at one of these characters without the other. Our two-for-one special is found in the book of Philemon, which is the name of one character and the other one is Onesimus. Oh, no, no, no. That's uh, Onesimus, Josh is o- telling me. Onisimus. Oh, no, okay. I apologize for my uh, my Texas accent there. But this, One Simus. <laughs> One Simus. This is going to be a fantastic profile because, uh, honestly, I don't think Hollywood could even come up with a better storyline than what we see unfold in this account.
0: Yeah, I'm really surprised that it hasn't been made into a movie yet. Right? And I've also heard this book called Philemon, so I, I, I've, uh, I've always called it Philemon. But if you've heard it differently, then just go with us. Yeah, Philemon and Onesimus, either way. <laughs> that sounds like a light bulb. <laughs> Have you changed the Philemon? <laughs>
1: uh, oh, that's pretty good. I'm going to start calling it that.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, so right off the bat, as we get into the book of Philemon or Philemon or however you like to say it, um, I want to mention just real quick that. Since this story has so much to do with the topic of slavery and that that's such a loaded and controversial word, especially in our culture, I want to give some clarity about how it was viewed culturally in Paul and Philemon and Onesimus's day. And so just a few things. Slavery was really widespread in the Roman Empire. Nearly a third of the population, it's estimated, were uh, slaves. And it was accepted as a part of life, and it wasn't based on race. It was more like prisoners of war or foreigners, or um, even those who owed debts that they couldn't pay. And it's tragic because even some families were forced to sell their children into slavery in order to survive. And if you think about slavery, sometimes we think of only like hard labor jobs, but slavery had virtually eclipsed free labor. Doctors, musicians, teachers, artists, librarians, accountants, almost every job was filled by slaves except public office. Now, slaves were not legally considered persons, but tools of their masters, and they could be bought, sold, inherited, exchanged, or seized to pay for their master's debt. And the masters had virtually unlimited power to punish them and sometimes did so severely for even the slightest infractions. In the New Testament time, they started to realize that contented slaves were more productive and their masters were starting to treat them with more leniency. And it was not uncommon for masters to teach their slaves their own trade and sometimes they became really close friends. In the year 20 AD, we find out that the Roman Senate actually granted slaves accused of crimes the right to a trial. They hadn't been allowed that before. And it was more common at this point for slaves to either be granted their freedom or to be able to purchase it. And slaves could find freedom, and many did. Sometimes owners would set them free, or other times they could purchase their freedom through labor. Sometimes slaves enjoyed a favorable and profitable service under their master and were better off than free men because they were actually assured of care and provision. And many freemen struggled in poverty, so being a slave at least had the chance of providing stability. And then the last thing I'll mention is runaway slaves. When they were caught, they could be branded, maimed, or even killed. And when they were on the run, they lived in fear of bounty hunters. So... Yeah, I know it has such a heavy connotation, especially for American culture, but when we talk about the word slave, it just meant something different in Jesus's day. And and it's not something that the Bible ever uh, promoted, Um, but what God said about it is in Galatians 3.28, he said, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What the Bible says is it doesn't matter your status. He says, once you're in Jesus, you're all in Christ.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is so important to look at. And I love the in-conclusion there. But, I mean, cultural context is so key. It is. Because we We live in our own culture here that has complete different meanings on what what's going on and what happened like two hundred years ago is much different than two thousand years yeah ago. and we feel strongly about it we, we yes
0: you know for a certain people group we feel very very strongly about it and and to hear that word it it grates on your heart absolutely
1: yeah and it, it's something that I think in everybody's history, no matter what people you're from, everyone in ancient history had a family member in slavery at some point. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it's part of human history. Yeah. So in, in, while it might seem icky in our context and it, it was back then too, but it wasn't always either. Like you said, there's a, there was a lot of slaves that were treated really well and the word meant something a little different back then.
0: Well, you think of Luke who wrote the gospel according to Luke mm-hmm. and the book of Acts, he was a slave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was a doctor. Yeah, he was a doctor, a slave doctor. So yeah,
1: so even a doctor meant something back then. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: And just
1: cultural context
0: is so key. Yeah. And we we wade past the tragedy of, of American history to find out how culturally we can apply what's going on in this book to our lives. Yeah. So I thought we should make some observations about the book of Philemon. What do you think? Yeah, I think that is a good idea. Okay, I'll start us off. I thought this was interesting because this is the only personal letter of Paul's to make it into the Bible.
1: Isn't
0: that crazy? It is.
1: Because, yeah, this is, this is a one-on-one personal letter. Yeah. Where the other ones are like, they're to churches, yeah, congregations.
0: Usually about something very direct. Yeah. But this one, as one pastor put it, is a personal letter to a personal friend about a personal
1: problem. Oh, yeah. No, it's three Ps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very, very particular.
0: (laughs) Oh, I knit it again. I'm stuck. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It is. It's very unique. (laughs) And then um, I thought this was awesome, too. It actually gives the biblical definition of forgiveness without ever using the word.
1: Oh, that's sneaky.
0: Right? That's how
1: God does, though. Yeah,
0: he does. And then this is the only letter or epistle where Paul doesn't talk about Jesus' death and resurrection, Because Paul is actually acting it out through the things that he says.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he is.
0: And then this is one of my last observations is it's also one of those interesting books where you actually have to extrapolate and interpret a ton of the narrative from the contents of the letter. And I'll say this as a teaser, because it's much like the end of another Snakebird Profilee story that I think we're going to do pretty soon coming up.
1: Oh, is that the only hint you're giving, Josh?
0: Well, yes. <laughs> but so, uh, Stay tuned. Well, here here's another hint. Don't judge
1: me. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> see, listeners, I know what he's talking about. That, yeah. was, that was a good one. You'll, you'll put the two and two together later. Exactly. Yeah, so um, a very cool thing that I see as I read this letter that Paul writes to Philemon, Philemon, whoever, <laughs> is unity in God's kingdom work is first and foremost. And like Josh said, this is a personal letter. This isn't something that he's addressing for a church, you know, the, the the members of a church to act like or anything. While they can take away from it, it it's um, it might sound a little silly because Paul's stance in all his writings are kingdom centered, but in this letter, Paul conducts himself in a unique way. Uh, number one, he opens the letter with Paul, a prisoner of Christ, mm. and if you think about it, it's usually Paul, an apostle of Christ. Yeah. And we're gonna, there could be a few different reasons for this. I tend to think it was intentional due to the situation that we're going to get to with another character in a minute. But number two is he communicates with Philemon almost like a, like a GM would communicate with a branch manager. And mm. I know that's kind of a weird example. <laughs> but, see, Paul refers to Philemon. I keep wanting to say Philemon. Let's just call him Phil. I, yeah, Phil. Okay. okay. So Paul refers to Phil as a fellow worker and leader of a branch of the church run out of Philemon's own home. He also calls him a partner in the faith. So just like Paul, Philemon is a leader in the early church and looked up to by God's people. Mm-hmm. And he, the, the interesting thing to see, too, is that Paul uses some authoritative language toward Philemon, almost like a father would a son. And I, I think it's like you said earlier, I think it might be due to the fact that Paul converted him previously. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost like a mentor would speak to a protege. Yeah. So those are some interesting things that I saw right off the bat with uh, with this personal letter that became a book in our Bible. It's pretty crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, it's at that point that we get we get introduced to Onesimus. Yes. So um, his his name, the definition means useful which would be kind of kind of interesting considering the, the storyline here. But from what we can see in scripture is that he seems to be a runaway slave of Philemon. Yes. And we really don't know why he ran away, but there seemed to have been um, insinuation there's bad blood b- between them, maybe. Yeah. And uh, Onesimus ran away because of that. Yeah. I, I
0: mean, okay. So going back just for a second, it's kind of crazy with uh Philemon and Paul is the Bible doesn't tell us specifically when they meet. But it's possibly during Paul's second or third missionary journey, and and the next thing you know, Philemon, because of Paul's influence, becomes a Christian, and he starts a church with Epaphras, which it tells us in Colossians one seven. And then here you got Onesimus, and he's a contradiction because his name means useful, but we're going to see that he isn't.
1: Yeah, a slave that ran away is no longer useful. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, he's absent.
0: That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, you just roll call.
1: Uh, <laughs> Where's one Simus? Okay, so what's astonishing is that Paul, at this point when we get introduced to Onesimus, Paul's in prison over 600 miles away mm-hmm. in Rome. And I, Josh looked into this too. It was Probably a lot more than 600 miles.
0: Yeah, I came up with over 1,100 miles.
1: With the trade routes and probably the route he had to take. That's an enormous distance.
0: Yeah, and considering that Onesimus was a runaway slave... I think he had to steal from Philemon in order to afford his journey to Rome.
1: That's a good point. Or he was super MacGyver.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, one of the two. Yeah. He's hiding on like
1: carriages under the bottom, like (laughs) riding that way or something. I don't know. Some James Bond stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. But um, this mutual acquaintance between Paul and Philemon, he runs into Paul at least 600, 600 to 1,000 miles away. In the
0: capital. I mean, he went there just like a lot of other runaway slaves would do, searching for anonymity. Yeah. Say that seven times fast.
1: I can't. But (laughs) the thing is, you know, even in the ancient world, with with as many people were along those trade routes, and just the odds of him running in to a brother of Philemon, you know, in Christ mm-hmm. that far away. It's, it has to be a divine appointment. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Now I do really, I want to point out one thing here that, uh, that is interesting. Maybe, maybe not, but there was a Roman law that allowed a slave to appeal to a friend of their master in the case of a dispute. Hmm. So some have suggested that Onesimus actually was seeking Paul out to take advantage of this Roman law. Oh, wow. Um, either way, Onesimus was saved and he was cha- he changed direction as a result of being born again. Yeah. So I, you know, either way, this is a, an amazing feat that happened.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, I've always taken it as, you know, Onesimus arrives in Rome and God says, I've got this. Yeah. And he hears this guy who's supposed to be on house arrest and and Paul is on house arrest, but he's allowed to venture out as long as he's got his guard with him and he's preaching in the street and Onesimus suddenly hears something tugging at his heart mm-hmm. and maybe he gets saved and he starts hanging around Paul and Paul goes, tell me your background. And Onesimus is like, uh-uh, I'm not going to say. And yeah. then through God working <laughs> it out, finally he goes, yeah, I'm from Colossae. And he goes, oh, I know this guy over there named Philemon. And he goes, yeah, he's. He's my master. Yeah. You know, and just, I mean, <laughs> I, it could be like that. It could be like you said, Onesimus could
1: have sought Paul out,
0: but yeah, I just, I know
1: how God works. And well, on that note, on that note, to your point, you know, the real thing to point out is this was a God thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whether Onesimus seek Paul out or just ran into him doesn't really matter. The real thing that interests me is the reason God did this. And I think about the, the mere fact that Onesimus was converted by Paul instead of Philemon. Mm. Think about the scene here. Philemon had a church in his home that he ran. Onesimus was under him. Uh, you would think that he would get converted by, by him. Mm. Why, why did this situation get set up? Now, I think, and this, this is complete speculation, but I think that Onesimus was divinely introduced to Paul because of relatability. Mm. Paul, a man in chains, was the perfect fit for a slave. Wow. And more times than not, I think people listen to someone they can relate to. And this is why it's so important that every believer understands how important they are in the Great Commission. Mm. Because every person brings a unique past with them that will help unbelievers relate. People can be introduced to God through your unique story. Yeah. Um to, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians nine twenty two to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. And there are so many people turned off to the gospel, I think, even these days especially, because they can't relate to those preaching it. Wow. If you come from a background of um, whether it be addiction, through drugs, uh, pornography, anything, whatever it may be, you're going to be able to relate to people that no one else can reach and that that is ministry, my friend. Yeah. So I found it extremely interesting that, um, you know, Paul was in chains and this slave comes to him and all of a sudden we have someone who gets the gospel preached to him. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic
0: observation because while Paul in my heart is like the super apostle, I also know that sometimes when you're too close to the situation, especially like coming from my standpoint, like a dad and his son, for the longest time, my dad was always trying to share the gospel with me. And while I was already saved, there was a lot of times where I'm like, I'm not going to listen and I'm not going to receive it from you. (laughs) Right. But then he would give me wisdom and I would be like, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't care what you say. You know, it was Mm -hmm. like my high school angst or whatever. And then I go (laughs) to church and my youth pastor would say the same thing. And I'd be like, oh, dad, did you hear this? This And he, yeah, I'm, that's why he lost his hair. I'm sure, Yeah. you know, but (laughs) I think that's the thing is we all have a voice and we all need to be available. And why Paul was the person that God used in Onesimus' situation, God could use you or me or whoever because of the relatability, because of the, the, the common ground.
1: Yeah. It's very interesting. And, and the cool thing is God is the one that orchestrates it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool, I thought. Yeah. But um, Paul, he refers to Onesimus as his own son. Wow. You know, and that's a phrase we see that Paul uses for someone that he directly converted. He kind of, doesn't he use that in a lot of letters? Yes. I, yeah. I'm the father, you know, I can't, I'm about to say that weird. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, like Timothy, my son in the face. Yes, you yeah, know.
1: there it is. Yeah. But um, he, Onesimus, uh, he not only becomes Paul's brother in Christ in prison, but he, he becomes very valuable assistant to him, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, he's starting to live up to his namesake.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's becoming useful.
0: Yeah. It's no longer um,
1: a, a joke. It's yeah. now actually a good moniker for yeah. him. Yeah. And so so Paul, he's really, he's stuck between a rock and a hard place here because he's got this new convert who's become very useful to him, Onesimus. Mm-hmm. And then he discovers this, this um, bad blood between him and Philemon. Yeah. And what do you, what do, you do? Like you, you mentioned earlier, what do you do with a situation like this?
0: Yeah, because this, all of a sudden, this book becomes about an ethical problem, which poses quite the conundrum. It says, how do you deal with someone in the church who is a runaway slave and his master happens to be the guy who hosts the church meetings in his own house?
1: Exactly. I mean, what would you even compare that to nowadays? Like uh, someone leaving under the authority of one pastor and going to another? I get, yeah. And then this pastor being like, hold on now, we got to get... We got to get this settled. We got it. Yeah.
0: There's bad blood. There's there. You guys have a beef between you.
1: Yeah. So Paul basically paraphrased in verse 12. He says, I would rather in his letter to Philemon, he says, I would rather keep him here with me. Speaking of Onesimus. But until this dispute now between brothers and Christ is settled, we can't move on righteously. Yeah. That's that's basically what Paul realizes, you know, or he probably knew it from the get go, but. You got to approach it like a snake bird. Yes, exactly. And so that's what, that's what Paul's doing in this letter. And I appreciate Paul's heart because he says
0: he's useful to me, but I don't, I don't feel right keeping him when he's technically your property yeah. and, and he needs to deal with this with you.
1: Mm-hmm. And Paul even, he even refers to Onesimus as his own heart mm. to, uh, in attempts, I believe to convey to Philemon that recon- reconciliation between brothers is super important. Yeah. And I just think
0: it's cool that now Onesimus has to return to Philemon as a fulfillment of his Christian duty with a personal letter in hand. And literally it's kind of time to feast the music.
1: Yeah. And that's got to be that's got to be very um, that's got to be a hard thing.
0: Nerve wracking. Oh, yeah. Nerve wracking. Yeah. Makes you anxious.
1: Absolutely. But Paul's um, Paul's approach to Philemon is very interesting Mm -hmm. uh, to me because he says in in verse eight, therefore, although in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. Wow. What's he saying in that statement, Josh? He's saying, I am a snake bird. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> because
0: he's walking the balance. He could be all snake and be like, listen here, I am an apostle and you'll do what I say. Yeah. Or he could be all bird and say, hey, if you just don't mind, you know, he, no, he's walking directly and is striking that balance of wisdom and gentleness.
1: Yeah. He's like, I'm I'm sure you would have come to this conclusion anyway, but let me lay out the reasons you should forgive and welcome back Animus. Mm, yeah. And that's it's a hard thing to do when you're not wanting to lose a brother or something. Mm. I mean, to be able to have that balance of gentleness and directness. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do. And that's exactly what we're seeing in this letter to Philemon.
0: Which is why I feel like this text, of course, God allowed it to be written. And then and that's
1: why I think it's part of the canon of scripture. Yeah. Is because of how clear it is. Yeah. And the really, really cool thing I see in verse 15 is Paul says, Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Hmm. So he lays this out. He's like, you know, maybe this happened for a reason. Yeah. Maybe this isn't you just losing some some equity in your, you know, what what you got. Oh, I don't know if that's the right word, but you know what I mean <laughs> as a businessman. But, you know, maybe this is bigger than what it seems. Mm-hmm. Maybe God did this, and I think he did, so that he could get born again. And as he comes, I mean, a A slave versus a Christian slave, that's a big difference, Mm -hmm. I I think. I mean, there's some people that are born out there that are just kind people, even before saved. Mm -hmm. But a Christian who's doing things as unto the Lord is going to be a slave that's even more uh, valuable to, to Philemon, not only financially, but, I mean, he's a brother now. Yeah. And like you pointed out in, what was it, Galatians?
0: Yeah, Galatians, uh, that verse that says there is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then another place in Colossians chapter three, Paul says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all.
1: Yeah. See, I think that's the point there. Paul's like, this transcends Mm master-slave. Maybe God orchestrated this whole thing so that we could transcend this whole thing in Christ.
0: Yeah. And I love that when you're talking about God's economy, it's not about money or dollars and cents. It's about souls. Yeah. And I think about how God is the God of the wanderer. And sometimes we realize that it's somebody who has left and they leave for a purpose um, but then God wants to bring them back. And I can't help but think of like the prodigal son mm-hmm. who was in the household and he wasn't content and he definitely wasn't useful. He was he was kind of a jerk, to put it nicely, because he told his dad almost to his face, I wish you were dead. Yeah. I mean, that's the connotation of what he would say culturally when he's like, give me my inheritance now before you even pass. Yeah. I wish you were dead. I wish I could have what's coming to me when you die. And so he had to leave. And when he came to himself, when he had that conversion experience, then he came back and he was there forever. And I, I can't help but think of that with Philemon that's and like with a, Onesimus. That's
1: like a perfect parallel too. That's Yeah, that's a great thing to see. So – Paul, he's laid this out for Philemon so far. He says, Onesimus has become a dear friend, a dear brother, very valuable to Mm -hmm. me as an assistant, as a brother. And he says this was probably all orchestrated by God um, so that we could have him forever. And then Paul follows up this information um, by saying this in verses 17 through 19. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Mm-hmm. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention, you owe me your very self, which we'll get to that last part here in a, yeah. here in a second. But I love how Paul laid that out. Yeah. If you consider me a partner, I mean, he being very direct here. Yeah. He's, and I, Josh, we we see the gospel in this, do we not? We do. Uh, tremendously. Yeah. He Paul's willing to pay whatever debt is necessary to free his new child, Onesimus. Mm-hmm. When Jesus said, go into all the world and teach people to obey all he commanded, this right here is it in its purest form. Paul is reenacting, I believe, a mild form of what Jesus did for us because his new nature in Christ. And he's encouraging Philemon to do the same.
0: Yeah. And he's talking about that koinonia, that fellowship that surpasses the relationships of this world. Yeah, that thing that we should have with all brothers and sisters who are in the faith, that
1: unity. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's crazy to see the story of Jesus in this.
0: Yeah that's why this is such a masterful letter from Paul, because he's showing the, the place that Jesus took. He said, Jesus paid it all. You had a debt. I think of, um, that story of the master and the, the person who owed him a debt. And he came and he said, you owe me like $20 million. And he goes, I I can't pay it. And the master said, we'll throw him in prison. And as he, as he is about to be thrown in prison. He falls to his knees and he says, please forgive me. And the master said, okay, I wiped that debt off your plate. And then as soon as that guy walked out, he saw somebody that owed him like a thousand dollars. And he, he started to step on his neck and he said, Give me the money you owe me and then he threw him into jail. And when the the original master had heard that, then he came back down on that guy and he said, Okay, you're gonna you're going into jail until you pay me all of the twenty million dollars that you owe me, which of course we knew was not possible. Yeah. And yet here Paul says, Listen, you owe me anything that he owes you, put it on my account, anything that he stole, any any work labor that you've lost, any of that put it on my account. And that's what Jesus says. Yeah. I paid it all. And when, when God comes to get the tab, you know, saying, Hey, there's all this sin in their lives. Jesus goes, I'm footing the bill.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's put such a heavy emphasis on forgiveness. Um, forgiveness can heal us, mm. um, through Christ, like, like nothing else, because I, I always hear that story. And I, I think of the anger I have towards that one that went and strangled somebody whenever he got forgiven so much more. Mm. But then I look in my own life and I think of how much Jesus has forgiven me. Yeah. And there's a lot in our lives that, that we need to forgive others on things that are hard. But, but, yeah, that's that's some really uh, heavy emphasis on forgiveness and that and that's precisely one of the things Paul is pointing out here. yeah, all right, well, I want to point out two things that cracked me up pretty good here. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Paul, Paul kind of says in order to achieve this reconciliation, uh, number one, you owe me Philemon, you owe me. Don't now, forget that. You know, and, and there's, there's a couple different ways to look at these two things that crack me up if I'm even looking at them right. But number two is, uh, and I think you owe me, Paul converted him. Yes. So I'm thinking it's in regards to that. Yeah. Um, number two, Paul says in verse 22 and one more thing, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. I and some commentators kinda think Paul is doing a form of what the youth might call flexing here. Um, <laughs> when I get out of prison, I'm going to come see you and what's become of Onesimus. When I get out of prison? <laughs> he's even like pumping weights or something? Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. He said, like, I've been pumping iron in the prison cell and I'm going to come see you when this is all done. Another King of the Hill voice. I didn't expect uh, it today. It's, well, it comes out natural, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll take you. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it kinda, it kinda cracks me up, but at the same time, there's, there's a possibility of some snake bird leaning more towards snake, maybe, maybe, um, when I get out of prison, I'm going to come see what's become of Onesimus. Yeah. Some think that, but some think it's more erring towards the grace side, don't they, Josh? Yeah.
0: I, I didn't read it like that at all. <laughs> you did No, I thought Well, Paul, there's some
1: that do. Yeah, I
0: know. I understand. I, and I've seen both sides. To me, Paul is like, listen- I know that you're praying for me to be released. And I can't wait to come to Colossi and see the fruit of like, not only you, but Epaphras, the church leaders, uh, efforts. And then to visit my son in the faith, my two sons in the faith, you know, who yeah. I've just been able to through Jesus to reconcile. And so I took it a little bit differently. I, th- I took it as him, like just saying, Hey, have the guest room ready. Cause you guys are praying for me to get released from jail and God's going to answer that prayer at some point. But I like it the other way around too, where Paul is like in prison going, I can't wait to see my buddy Phil and see how <laughs> this worked out. But I love, I love that verse beforehand where he says, refresh my heart in the Lord by doing this, having confidence in your obedience, which again is that snakeness where he's like, Hey, I have apostolic authority over you. Yeah. But he says, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Yeah, and I, I think that's such an awesome thing about being a Christian is that we don't have to f- we don't have to go to the letter of the law. Mm-hmm. In fact, we have that opportunity through grace to bless people and to bless their socks off, as my dad used to say. <laughs> like, and I think of Philemon now sitting there with his mind blown of how God has worked in this situation where his runaway slave Onesimus got all the way to Rome, which is a miracle in and of itself, and then met Paul. And now he's come back with this letter in hand that's going to essentially bridge the gap that had formed in their relationship. And I think he's going to go above and beyond.
1: Yeah. It's it's very the, – the crazy thing about this letter is how much snake and bird Paul jumps between. Yes, he he starts off with the immediate, you know, when he brings up Onesimus, that immediate snake and bird in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. And then he's jumping back and forth with love, but we got to do the right thing. Yeah. And then where he lands on the end of that, who knows? Could be, it could be more of snake, more of bird. But we know that, that Paul is really emphasizing love here. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting to see this back and forth. And um, so... Onesimus is sent back with with someone else, isn't he? Yes, he sure is. He's sent back with my boy And
0: <laughs> 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 No, his name uh, his name actually means fortunate, which I kind of find is funny because now it's fortunate that your useful servant is finally returning who's now a brother in christ i'll be and it's so cool because in colossians 4 9 paul says tychicus which is just a fun name to say is coming with onesimus our faithful and dear brother who is one of you and the implication is that possibly he's writing to the church in Colossae saying hey now he's he's your brother. He's part of you, and just so you identify him as not just a runaway slave, but actually as a dear brother.
1: Yeah, what a great thing to see. I mean, he he is now a part of the movement of the growth of the early church, mm-hmm. bringing letters between churches. I, I guess bringing a letter to the church at Colossae and also this personal letter to Philemon, and it's just so cool to see. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome that he is now, he's now part of the gears in the movement.
0: Yeah. I mean, okay. This is going to sound a little dated, but imagine like breaking out of jail and all of a sudden you're like, I just need a job. And you're, you're on the run. And the next thing you know, you work as a printer. And then you find out as you're printing things that you work for Billy Graham. And then you, you slowly promote through. And then all of a sudden, the next thing, you know, you're like Billy Graham's right hand man. And he's yeah. like, I need you. And then he finds out that you escaped from jail. And he's like, well, we got to deal with that. son. you yeah. know, <laughs> which my Billy Graham impersonation is not, that was not anything I was just trying to sound anyway. Okay.
1: But yeah, no, that's a good example. I mean, and that's how God works though. Though. Yes. That's how he works. He he takes the impossible situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's an awesome thing to see. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Onesimus, he's he's in the gears. He's working. He's taking these letters. And, you know, we never really find out what happened for sure when Onesimus returned to Philemon. Um, I like to think that it went just as Paul wanted it to. I think so. I think it probably did. We don't know for sure, but um, one thing that, that I saw was pretty interesting is uh, church tradition does suggest that Onesimus went on to become uh, a bishop in the early church, and I thought that was kind of a cool thing. I thought that was awesome, yeah. Yeah, it, in, and it's cool because we, we see the same kind of thing that happened with Apollos, too. Mm. You know, he they go on to possibly have, you know, they made waves in the early church, yes. and they came from, you know, humble beginnings. Yeah, yeah. Well, Apollos was grown up in scholarly. Life. Yeah. But, yeah well, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well There's from, a lot of other examples.
0: From being virtually unknown mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden having this this form of leadership and because of the raising up. Yes. And that's why discipleship is so important. That's why conversion is so important. And that sounds like such a churchy word, but really telling them about God and leading them to Jesus is so important. And a small thing like that can change an entire city. Like Apollos being rightly directed, next thing you know, he's contending with the Jews, and he's you know becoming a bishop of a city, and the same like church historians would say with Onesimus.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's a a heart that is that is open and receiving of what God has for them. God says, you know what, the sky is the limit. Mm. And I just I love to see these these examples in Scripture. Yeah. So I think we've covered basically
0: the whole story. I mean, this radical story, but I know we'd never want to end a profile without coming up with some personal application and observations. So um, why don't we kind of work through some of those and, and just talk about what God showed us through Onesimus and Philemon's stories?
1: Yeah. Um, for me, I think the, the most eye-opening thing uh, that I saw in the story was the fact that God works out all things for good. Mm-hmm. Um, Romans eight twenty eight says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And what started as bad blood between a master and slave turned into an escape mission that God worked in, in a drastic way. Yeah. Um, we saw that even before Onesimus was a believer, God was calling him well over 600 miles away to be born again. And then on the flip side, Paul was separately orchestrated to be in the right place at the right time, a prisoner who could relate to this runaway slave. And um, no matter how many separate stories intersect, I guess, God orchestrates every piece like a symphony Mm. to play this masterpiece when all is said and done. God weaves it together. And that that's the, the big thing that I saw. So I, I would say, you know, no matter how chaotic things get, listener, know that God loves to work in and shine through that chaos and the result will be worth it. Hmm. That's so neat. Just to think about the fact that
0: Onesimus was an insignificant runaway slave and God was working in his life. And I think we can take heart in that is that no matter anyone who's listening, uh, who's, whether they're in Christ or not, that God has a plan for you and he cares about you. And even in the case of Onesimus, he was orchestrating something that had to happen from over 600 or over 1100 miles away.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, that's awesome. That's a great observation. Okay. So one that I came up with is that God's solutions are radical and often considered out of the question culturally. Um, you think about this restoring Onesimus with Philemon without any punishment would have been scandalous
1: Oh yeah.
0: where people looking from the outside, looking in going, so we finally got your slave back, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, what are you going to do to him? Yeah. You know, are you culturally
1: gonna... things were expected?
0: Yeah. Are you, is he going to get cat of nine tails or are you going to brand him or are you going to cut off a limb or is he going to have to wear a heavy like metal collar around from now on? Because that's some of the things that they would do to people that had run away. And then Philemon's like, well, he's my brother.
1: what a thing for an outsider to see.
0: Yeah. How radical, right?
1: So that they will see the good works and praise God.
0: Yes. Yeah, completely. And, And then, and again, the Bible wasn't about bringing uprising, like other than the, the uprising of the heart and the uprising of the revolution of, of loving your neighbor as you love yourself, because it never said like slaves take over your masters because a lot of slaves would have, you know, been like, that's what Jesus taught. We're going to do it, you know? And, and the Bible wasn't about that. It was saying you're no longer slaves. You're no longer free. You're all in Jesus. And I think even for slaves looking from the outside in at that relationship that God now has through Onesimus and Philemon would be drawn to, to himself would be drawn to wanting to know more about this faith, even if their masters weren't Christians. Yeah. But I mean, other examples of God using radical solutions, uh, the woman at the well, Jesus approaching this woman would have been culturally unacceptable, completely out of the norm.
1: Mm, true
0: or talking to tax collectors and um talking with prostitutes and people of ill repute yeah. but jesus said i didn't come to heal the well i came to heal the sick exactly and he was always hanging around them so i mean even healing people on the sabbath again that was culturally unacceptable and yet god uses those kind of solutions that i just find that so cool
1: i really like the way you said that it's it was never about the uh, an uprising but the uprising of the heart.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Sweet. That wasn't even in my notes, but I was thinking about how we just talked about the cross recently. And Jesus is like, my kingdom's not here on earth. It's it's in heaven. And, and that was what he was all about. Um, so another thing that I saw is I just, this is pretty simple, but I thought it's really neat that freedom in Christ surpasses all earthly labels. I love this. In Christ, we are free to be who God intended us to be. In Christ, we can relate to and find common ground with any fellow believer, no matter their status, their wealth, their gender, their race, or anything that would have divided us in this world's way of thinking. And we see through Onesimus and Philemon, the relationship change. There's no longer an owner and a slave, but now partners, like I said earlier, through that koinonia, that fellowship that they have in Christ.
1: That's so cool to look at, because no matter how much culture separates us, that's something we can even see now, because when you're a part of a a healthy group of believers, you notice pretty quick that if it wasn't for our faith in Christ... None of us would hang out together. Yeah, right. (laughs) There's no way. We're just not alike. Yeah. But we can see that, can't
0: we? Exactly. You look at somebody across the table and you're like, I have nothing in common with you except Jesus. And now it means we have everything in common. Yeah.
1: Oh, brother, it's such a miracle. I love you. No, that sounds
0: like a Christian bless your heart. Oh, it does. It's a, it's a total, oh, bless her heart. She done the best she could. <laughs> okay. No, yeah. Very good. Very yeah. good. Um, and then God loves to restore broken people. He's in the business of restoration. And I. I mean... I tear up just thinking about that, about how when even we don't realize how broken we were before him, he still reached out, you know. And um, just coming to the thought of the prodigal son, I I know we talk about this every time, but I, I I, relate so much not to necessarily the son that ran away. I relate to the older brother who was prodigal in and of himself, and he didn't realize it because he was standing there hating his father, hating his brother for the way that he thought he was mistreated. And his dad said, everything you've ever needed, I would have provided. You only had to ask. It was all yours the whole time. And the Pharisees are standing there as older brothers, not realizing that they're broken. And so God is in the restoration business. He is out there to restore broken people. And Paul Being that representative of Christ in this story, he wanted to restore the relationship of Onesimus and Philemon. And God is always reaching out for the wanderer, the outcast, the person who doesn't quite fit in. Because in Jesus, we find acceptance, we find forgiveness, and we find grace.
1: I hope that that fell on, on ears that needed to hear it, because that's so true. Amen. So
0: the last thing I can say, and I think it actually is really fitting that this is the last thing, is that forgiveness is a choice Mm -hmm. because Paul is asking a lot of Philemon to forgive Onesimus. Yeah. But when we think about it, we're asking God so much more to forgive us. Yeah. That's true. And that's how Paul put it. He said, look at the forgiveness that you've received and your life is now free, you're free from the, the clutches of sin Mm -hmm. because of the influence my ministry had in you. He goes, now look at what you've got over Onesimus and Mm -hmm. just let it go.
1: I would highly encourage anyone listening that there is something very real about this freedom that Josh is talking about. Um, to be free from, from what you don't even realize you need to be free from, it's a big deal. And I, I really pray that you make that jump if if you haven't yet, and um, and if you are a believer, uh, strengthen yourself in, in this in this story because uh, it says a lot for you too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we talked a lot about being in Christ. And what that means is you've received Jesus into your heart. And if you want to do that, if you haven't already done that, we highly encourage you to, mm-hmm. I mean, with everything that we could say, we emphatically encourage you to. And the way that you can do that is you can reach out to us, or you can also go to our website because there's a tab there called Know God.
1: Yeah.
0: And so go there, follow those steps. It's there's There's not any magical thing that you have to say. It's just... Believe in your heart that he is Lord and and confess with your mouth and he'll come into you and, and, and he'll come into your heart and, and he'll make you free. He'll set you free. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. So snake birds, that's Onesimus and Philemon. I hope we did it justice. I, I can't help, but say, I love doing profiles like this because it stirs up my mind about Bible characters and it stirs up our hearts about being able to talk about things that we geek out about. And I hope that you're geeking out and we want to hear um, things that you have to say. So if you have any comments on Onesimus and Philemon and you want to reach out, connect with us on Facebook. You can reach us through our Snakebird page, or you can also send us an email at connect at beasnakebird.com. And if
1: there's another character that you want us to profile, please just drop us a line. Yeah, absolutely, guys. we Thrive on your feedback. We want this to be a community. And uh, let us know. Topics, comments, um, inquiries, whatever it may be. Get with us. We would love to hear from you and get back to you. And don't forget, guys, um, not to sound like YouTubers here, but it really would help the Snakebird Podcast if you could comment, share, share, Give us a good rating, a five star rating, if you feel that we deserve it, <laughs> um, because that really helps get the Snakebird podcast out there to more people. So we would highly encourage that. And this, this just God really just laid this on my heart. If there are any new to be parents out there, baby names one Simus. Philemon, (laughs) Tachikus. These are great (laughs) baby names. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. um, Take it or leave it. But um, yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay. (laughs) So confession time. I tried to get my wife to, to accept Onesimus as a potential boy name if we ever have kids. Yeah. And it got shot down.
1: You didn't present it as Onesimus. Well,
0: I sure didn't. And we uh, went to Chick Fil A, and they said, "What's the name for your order?" And I said, "Onesimus." Oh, that's brilliant! And the person dropped out; like they stopped talking to us. <laughs> and then, but then they threw it back on me because they're like, "Can you spell that?" And I'm like,
1: "Yes." <laughs> yeah, that's fun. That's how I came up with Onesimus. It was helping me spell it exactly. <laughs> you should have received your food and said, "Bless you, child."
0: <laughs> well, I told my wife. I said, "We can call the baby." Oni and I thought that'd be a really cute name and you know unique so people out there who are Unique, Oni. Just send me some money for the idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. Give credit, Josh, but great baby name. So, (laughs) or or, Tekakus. Or Tekakus. Yeah. So, thanks for being here, guys. And what should we do, Josh? Always remember, whatever you do, wherever
0: you go, no matter what life throws at you or how far you run away from your guy that should be in charge of you,
1: (laughs) there's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus and be a Uh, snake snake bird. bird.